edition of the NFC East Ultimate Division Crossover. I'm Chris Russell from Locked On Washington. Once again, as we have all week, joined by Patricia Trina of Locked On Giants, Marcus Mosher of Locked On Cowboys, and today we put under the spotlight the guy who covers the NFC East defending champion, Philadelphia Eagles. Gino Camilleri with us uh, as well. Guys, hope everybody is doing well as we continue to go through uh, this week and get a look and an inside look at our teams. Gino, you're under the spotlight today because you guys won the division, the Eagles. Uh, and, and I'll start the conversation just by on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, this is the only team that has the same head coach. Uh, not that you would expect any change there, but Carson Wentz is, uh, to me, the ultimate. I don't know what to do with him because he's so good at times, uh, yet he's 0 for 3, quite honestly, in the last three playoffs in terms of being available for this football team. How do you evaluate Carson moving forward? And how do you think those inside the Birds organization look at the Carson Wentz era? Well, I'm a big, uh, since I've kind of like come out of college and kind of gotten into the adult world and realized that everything isn't all gumdrops and rainbows, like you kind of have to enjoy the ride. And that's what it is with Carson Wentz. Like you have to enjoy the ride of what it is because you say he's 0-3 in being able to be in a playoff appearance. I say he's 3-0 and in getting them to the playoffs because without him, frankly, they don't make it. To me, this franchise is so heavily invested in Carson Wentz. Everything and all the noise you hear outside of the NovaCare complex is simply just that. And I know a lot of people will talk about the Jalen Hurts selection. And I've been somebody that's been on the, I think the Jalen Hurts selection does right by Carson Wentz because it's saying, we know you can get us there. Like I said, those three and oh, getting them to the playoffs. But if you aren't there, and it would be very naive to say that he hasn't been there in the past, and you would just be, I mean, you would just basically pretend like you aren't seeing reality saying that Carson Wentz hasn't been available in those games. So you want to have the best insurance policy possible. But for me, Carson Wentz is everything that you want. And finally, they have everything that Carson Wentz needs. They finally have guys that can get the ball down the field. They not only have one of them, that if he were to get hurt, like Mike Wallace a couple years ago, that they are just back to square peg in a round hole trying to force a guy like Nelson Aguilar to be their deep threat, and simply that didn't work for them. So what they did is said, okay, Deshaun Jackson is a great element. We saw one week of him last year. Let's go out and multiply that, not by one, not by two, not by three, but by four X, and now have five guys that are really deep threats for this team they go out and add Marquise Goodwin in a not even having to give up a pick in a pick swap, but somebody who is an Olympic level athlete that can really get down the field when healthy. Their first round pick in Jalen Rager, really a guy who, if he has even good quarterback play, would have been in a much higher discussion for being drafted up there with the top guys. So to have Carson Wentz now is going to be huge for them. And John Hightower out of Boise State and Quez Watkins out of Southern Missouri or Southern Miss rather 
are two guys that absolutely lit it up in college. Quez Watkins ran the fastest 40. I know not many people put a lot of stock in that, but his his production backed it up. You go look at his numbers at what he did in that conference, and it's just surreal. And then John Hightower is a guy who averages 17 yards per reception. So for me, Carson Wentz is only going to be the bearer of these gifts and he is going to be received the, the fruits of Howie Roseman's labor. And not only are those guys going to help him out, but now you can see Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard really excel in the areas and not have to be force-fed the football in the middle of the field. And they can really allow things to open up over the top. And you talk about a young Miles Sanders who arguably was the best receiving threat for them last year is only going to probably look better now because teams are going to have to focus on defending the speed of Deshaun Jackson, defending the route running of Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. And now you have to defend Miles Sanders out of the backfield. And if Alshon Jeffrey is healthy, that's another X factor. So to me, Carson Wentz doesn't have those practice squad players like he did, like everybody likes to say he did the last four weeks of last year. I really think that he is going to come out and really cement himself as one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league this year. Hey, Gino, Marcus Moser here of Locked On Cowboys. Um, I don't know if you heard or not, but the the Cowboys drafted CeeDee Lamb in the first round oh, of the 2020 draft. Um, yeah, so, I mean, just probably the best receiver in the class. Um, mm. my, my question to you is, I know the, the Eagles traded for Darius Slay, um, but talk to us about the rest of the secondary because there's a lot of uncertainty there, um, you know, outside of Slay. Who are you expecting to be the uh, the team's other two starting cornerbacks this year? So to me, I think the move of Darius Slay, I always count it as one of the draft picks. Actually, I counted for two because we gave up, uh, what was it, a third and a fifth. So to me, he was part of the 2020 draft hall for the Eagles, so I absolutely love it. You bring in a guy who just has led the way in pass breakup since he has come into the league. But the big question mark, like you said, Marcus, is what's going on in the other positions? They did very well in acquiring a guy who I believe has been severely underpaid in the NFL in Nickel Roby Coleman over the past couple years because you look at his defensive numbers out of the slot, he is consistently one of the top 10 guys defending out of the slot. And he is only five foot seven, but man, he is he flies around the football field. Everybody knows him for the infamous uh pass interference in in the Saints game that got him to the Super Bowl but a guy that could really lock down that position the biggest question mark is who is going to defend the other half of the field that Darius Slay isn't on and for me right now me and Lou go back and forth on the podcast he's a huge Rasul Douglas fan and I was a huge Sidney Jones fan coming out of that class in 2017 and now it's kind of like you were talking about Trey Quinn the other day when we talked about the Redskins, like, does he have a chance to come out? And, and Chris said, no, he doesn't really, he doesn't really think he did to me. It's Sidney Jones's game to lose. Like if he goes out there and keeps up the good work as he has done in the off season, continues to add muscle mass on and goes out there and proves to them that he should take that starting role. To me, he is the guy that is going to run away with it because Jalen Mills, who was Jim Schwartz's favorite cornerback option, who was never really a cornerback, finally moved over to safety, which is a very good move there. But he also has Rasul Douglas there, who has fallen out of favor in Jim Schwartz as a cover corner. So to me, it's Sidney Jones's ball game to lose. 
And I know you know all about Sidney Jones, Marcus. I know you had to throw a shot at me. He ultimately mm-hmm. saved the Eagles season last year when he had the ending pass breakup in the fourth quarter against the Cowboys to kind of solidify things. So to me, I think he's only going to continue to roll off of that momentum that he had last year and really solidify that position. But to me, what I absolutely love about this roster is for once, they're not going back to that sentimental sentimentality of the Super Bowl and like giving positions away to guys. There's a ton of competition. There's going to be a ton of competition at safety. There's going to be a ton of competition at corner. And I really think it's going to make the best man truly come out and get the job and really earn it at that second corner position. Hey, Chino, I've got to ask you about the offensive line only because Chris stole my question. So I'm going to ask you about the offensive line. Some changes on that offensive line there. Um, You don't know about uh, Jason Peters if he's back. Uh, Obviously, Brandon Brooks with the injury. Um, You still have Jason Kelsey. You still have uh, Lane Johnson. But it looks like there's a lot of question marks on that offensive line. And I just am curious about your take. Do you feel as good about that offensive line and the depth that they have or their concerns um, if, if, God forbid, something should happen to one of the starters? So I'll kind of answer it in, in two parts here. I'm a big Syracuse basketball fan, and there's been years when Jim Beheim has taken a team that has underperformed and brought them to great heights. I, I can think back a couple years ago, they were in the final four with a team that really didn't do well in that, in that division at all and came out and overperformed. And that's what I believe that this offensive line is going to have to be this year because Jeff Stoutland, to me, is one of the best probably top three, I would say right now, not even in an argument, top three of best offensive line coaches in the league, especially with Dante Skarnecchia retiring last year. He takes this team to great heights. There's a reason he's involved so much in the makeup of the run game. It's because Jeff Stoutland understands how offensive lines should work. And he has made a lot of I'd say subpar players are players that you win in spite of, as we say, like in the whole scouting community, like a Halapuli Vadi Vaitai. He put him in a position to win the Super Bowl as the left tackle, going from Jason Peters, who is a first ballot Hall of Famer, to Big V was quite the challenge. And then not only was that a challenge in 2017, but the same things happened in 2018 where Guys go down left and right. Jason Peters is in and out of games. Brandon Brooks is injured. And then last year, the same thing. He went into the playoff game with three out of the five starting linemen that he started the season with. So this is nothing new to Jeff Stoutland. But to me, this is the biggest hurdle that they're going to have to overcome. Right now, you have Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, our two all-pro players. We'll call a spade a spade. Isaac Sayamalu is he's a starter in the league. They got him very cheap at the left guard position. Andre Dillard, everything that I've heard from him in this offseason is great. Apparently he's put on 20 pounds of muscle, which is huge for the guy. If if you read the most of the scouting reports on him coming out of uh, Washington State, he played a lot in the pass game, not a lot in the run game, never really had to anchor in pass protection. And if you watched any of his film last year in the pros, It definitely showed he needed to put on that weight. So right now there's that one big hole at right guard. And I think this is going to be like 
Jeff Stoutland's true masterpiece is, is this season. And can he get a player in Matt Pryor who, by all intents and purposes, should be the guy moving forward there at right guard? Unless, according to Brian Baldinger, something big is going to happen for this team and they're going to get better. I have an assumption it might be Larry Warford on the offensive line because, I mean, it's it's a big upgrade over Matt Pryor. But this team loves Matt Pryor. I liked what he did last year. He's solid in the run game. He's solid in pass protection. Trey Thomas was talking about him, longtime Eagles tackle who's in the Philly media, and he was saying he has that dog mentality and that you can really kind of win with those players on the offensive line, especially here in Philadelphia. But to go from Jason Peters and go to Andre Dillard, it's a pretty big drop, but I think that it's not going to be as big of a drop as people think. I think Andre Dillard, for everything that he did at Washington State, it is very transferable here into what Philadelphia wants to do. And you still have two all-pro. You have an all-pro center and an all-pro right tackle. You can overcome a lot of those things, especially when you have as good of a blocking running back in Miles Sanders and two excellent blockers in Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz to make up for a lot of those weaknesses. All right, once again, this is the ultimate NFC East crossover. We're putting the Philadelphia Eagles under the spotlight in this particular edition. Joined by Gino Camilleri, host, co-host of Locked On Eagles, Marcus Mosher, co-host, Locked On Cowboys, and Patricia Chan of Locked On Giants. I'm Chris Russell, Locked On Washington. We'll continue along with Gino and... I know I have a question about Deshaun Jackson. He's been in the headlines a little bit. That's next, right here on the Ultimate NFC East Crossover. All right, we wrap things up with, once again, putting the Philadelphia Eagles under the spotlight. Gino Camilleri locked on the Eagles. Marcus Mosher locked on Cowboys. Patricia Trana locked on Cowboys. Uh, locked on Giants, I should say. And I'm Chris Russell. Uh, Gino, back to the birds. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, every team deals with some sort of controversy. We all know this. Uh, and maybe this isn't that big of a deal uh, locally as it has seemingly been nationally. But I guess the fallout from Deshaun Jackson's um, wild ride, uh, I guess, is, 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 is one generic way <laughs> to kind of put it. How do you think his future is shaped in Philadelphia in his second tour of duty? How do you think he'll be looked at? What do you, do you, do you think he'll, he'll be able to get past this moving forward now that the team has not decided uh, to suspend him? Uh, and, and I'm sure they expect him to be that home run threat that we've kind of talked about. Without a doubt. Uh, Sean has always been, I would say, beloved by Howie Roseman. And he left Philadelphia the first time around because of Chip Kelly. And he was brought back here because of Howie Roseman. And I I think if he, he was 25 years old and the same thing happened, he probably would be off the team by now. But this team holds Deshaun in a very high light. And you, you go back and you can watch the uh, the all or nothing on, on Amazon Prime and before that matchup with Dallas last year, when he was injured, he, he hadn't played in nearly 14 weeks. He was in front of that team, speaking to them, talking about the importance of how big that moment was, not just for the players on the field, but for the entire city of Philadelphia. And this second tour for Deshaun has really kind of been a redemption tour in a light of who people see Deshaun as. And what he said Trust me, I you cannot condone in any light, but 
what Deshaun has done in response, I think is a great message for any young player in this league. And it is understanding that you made a mistake, having the state of mind to be accountable for it and be willing to improve your mindset, be willing to learn and be willing to adapt because the great thing about football, and I, I say it all the time on my show, and the thing that I love about it is it is the ultimate togetherness sport, and it is the ultimate team sport. And you have 90 people that trims down to 53 with all the coaches and staff that come from different backgrounds and have to bond together to win this championship in the Super Bowl. And it goes so much more not just on the field, to off the field and who these guys are as people. And I truly believe that the message down in the entire Eagles organization for the longest time from Jeffrey Lurie to Howie Roseman to Doug Peterson is be willing to understand that everybody comes from a different background, but as long as people are willing to change and be, be considered good people, I think they have a place here in Philadelphia and Jeffrey Lurie has always been a person that you can make a mistake and shame on me. You're not going to get me the second time, but I, I, I don't think that this hiccup for Deshaun is going to paint him in a bad light because ultimately there are a lot of guys in that locker room looking up to him. I just mentioned all those receivers in the last segment. All those guys are 22, 23, 24 year old kids. They're looking at Deshaun Jackson, who is one of the best deep threats in the league. What is he doing in his time off? What is he doing in the weight room? Teams only want to see you see the good stuff, but what they do in response to the bad stuff, I think is all more telling of what goes on behind closed doors. And I think they've done a fantastic job with this entire situation. Hey, Gino, Marcus Mosher here from Locked On Cowboys. Um, admittedly, I think the Eagles have one of the best rosters in the NFL. I know my Cowboys listeners are probably rolling their eyes right now, uh, but it's a very good roster. Um, however, I think it's fair to say probably the weakness of this team is that linebacker. Mm -hmm. uh, just not a lot of proven guys there. I know they traded for Duke Riley last year. Uh, TJ Edwards is somebody from Wisconsin who maybe will get a shot there. But uh, talk to us about the linebacker core. Who do you expect to be on the field uh, on most of the nickel snaps? Yeah, and that's the thing. It's most of the nickel snaps doesn't even begin to say it because their base is nickel, so it's – most of every snap that they're going to play on defense. And and I was having this discussion uh, we're doing. A, we drafted an ultimate team for the Eagles, and we did a Madden 04 simulation today. And I was talking about this with Lou, and I was just saying that arguably their best defensive game in the last two years, I was trying to think back, was against Houston. And, and it was a do-or-die game in 2018. And they ran a lot of quarters-style defense where they had – like you said, they ran nickel, they ran dime. And I think that's going to be a lot of what you see, especially based on what they did in this offseason, because they've never been a team to go and throw out like Dallas does three linebackers. They're a two linebacker, maybe one linebacker guy, and we're going to fill in the rest with defensive backs, especially now with a lot of the moves that they made. And I think if you look into team building and how rosters are constructed, you can really see what they're going to do from a play calling standpoint moving forward. And what they did was add Davion Taylor, who is a weak side linebacker who is known for his athleticism. They go out and get Nickel Roby Coleman, who is an ultimate slot corner. 
They have Avante Maddox, who I didn't even talk about at the corner position because, frankly, I think he's better suited as a safety that they can move all over that position. And you have Rodney McLeod there. You just have a lot of guys, and I didn't even mention Kayvon Wallace, who is a national champion at Clemson, who that's really what they did there at Clemson was move a lot of those guys around. And I think it's going to be a lot of interchangeable parts at that linebacker position. Like I I think it's going to be a lot of matchup based. I don't think you're just going to see one guy get a majority of the snaps. And I cross my fingers that that's not the case because it would probably be the incumbent in Nathan Gary, who in my eyes is not a very good football player in the national football league. But like you said, they did trade for Duke Riley. A lot of the things I've heard, or that the team does like him. I think he fits that style of play well. He's, a like you said, an undersized linebacker who does better in coverage, much like Davion Taylor, who they drafted out of Colorado. A guy that a lot of people haven't been talking about, though, is TJ Edwards. He did not miss a tackle last year. He was one of the best Mike linebackers. He was an undrafted free agent. And really what they need in the middle of this defense is just one linebacker that can fill – for those front four that are going to get after it. And TJ Edwards, I think, has a very good chance to probably play 30% of the snaps, but I don't think you're going to see a guy play 50, 60% of the snaps at linebacker. I really think it's going to be interchangeable. Like you'll see Jalen Mills be playing linebacker at time. You'll be seeing Rodney McLeod come down and playing some linebacker because all their defensive backs are good tacklers. They just like to interchange based on matchups. So it's not just going to be, uh, yeah, Nathan Gary is going to be on the field 90% of the time. Let's hope that's not the case. But to me, linebacker on our podcast, it doesn't really matter in our opinion. It's who can they put out there in the front four that can get to the quarterback and who can cover on the back end and who can be there to clean up some missed tackles that are there. And I really think you can get that from TJ Edwards. I think you could get that from a collection of Jalen Mills, who is a very good tackler in his own right. If he puts on some weight, should do well, moving to that Malcolm Jenkins-esque role. And then they signed Jatavis Brown from the Chargers, who is another undersized guy who apparently the team likes. And they're going to really have a competition, like I said, like they do at corner. They're going to have that huge competition at I'm just calling it the secondary. Like they're not going to have like assigned positions outside of Darius Slay, who will probably be on the best wide receiver at any given time. It's just going to be, it's going to be a merry-go-round of parts of sorts. I would say. Gino, I hate to do this to you, but I've got to pick at a sore spot, and I've got to ask you about the receivers. You're oh, go the Eagle receiver. Sorry. <laughs> the receivers, you know, historically, uh, they've had some injury issues. The depth, um, probably not what I'm sure a lot of people, including yourself, was hoping for. How nervous are you about this receiving core going into 2020? I'm excited. I'm, I'm not nervous at all, to be honest. I'm Somebody told me that I was, quote, as cool of a cucumber when it came to talking about this position group. And frankly, I, I don't really bat an eye with what they have there now because the way I look at it is it can't be much worse than the last four weeks of last season, and it ultimately can't be worse than what they came out with in 2016. In the eight days of learning that Carson Wentz had with Doriel Green Beckham and Nelson Aguilar and Jordan Matthews as his receiving core, so to have a Jalen Rager, a Deshaun Jackson, and possibly an Alshon Jeffrey, as your ex-receiver, or maybe a J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who 
I, I still hold JJ in high regard. I think he's a very good receiver. I don't think you can be a bust after one year. But to me, they finally have built this ultimate basketball team at the wide receiver position. And that's what Doug Peterson needs because the worst thing that happens to Doug Peterson is that he becomes very vanilla and he becomes very repetitive in what he does. And I know there were talks that uh, I think it was maybe two years ago that Dallas like kind of knew exactly the routes that our receivers were going to run just because they were so basic and they really didn't change things up. It, it's because they really didn't have anybody to stretch the field. And that is just such an instrumental portion of this team because it opens up everything for everybody else. Because when you don't have a field stretching weapon in Deshaun Jackson, or I mean, even look at 2017, they had Torrey Smith who analytically was one of the worst rated receivers in football, but that single element of getting down the field was so huge for this Eagles team. And now you have those, that four by 100 team and Deshaun Jackson and Jalen Rager and take your pick of John Hightower, Marquise Goodwin, or Quez Watkins. And then you also have some guys that played big minutes last year in Deontay Burnett, who came up huge with a, it was a 30 yard reception late in the season. And Greg Ward, who had the playoff clinching touchdown against Washington last year, that it's like I said, competition. And I would say variability or variety are the two words I would say go very far and go very similar along all of these position groups for the Philadelphia Eagles because all of those guys at the receiver position can arguably play inside. They can play outside. I know JJ, they were cross-training him last year, and that was a lot of the headache that went into him being on the football field. A guy like John Hightower, if you look at him at um, Boise State last year, did a lot of his work and reduce splits and to the numbers you look at Elshon Jeffrey he's strictly an outside wide receiver you look at Jalen Rager he's a move guy now they just have this collection and this this bundle of I would say this bundle of toys that Doug Peterson can really work with and and now it's not just Doug Peterson anymore it's Rick Scangarello that they brought in and and Morningwig that they brought back and they really have this ideology they're going to be open to new ideas and there's talks that they're going to take some plays out of San Francisco in regards to the run game. But now it's can Doug Peterson get his pass game to what Andy Reeds was as he learned under in Kansas city. So I'm excited for what they have at the wide receiver group. Other people might not be as excited, but putting in a lot of film work and stuff on these guys, like they all have a specialty that can really come out and you can really see where they fit into this Doug Peterson offense. All right, that's going to do it for the ultimate NFC East crossover. Good look at the Philadelphia Eagles. Good look all week at the New York Giants, the Washington NFL team, and the Dallas Cowboys along with those Eagles. Uh, before we say goodbye, guys, why don't we go around the horn here and let everybody, uh, of course, let the different fan bases know how they can find all of your outstanding work. And we'll start with Gino and Locked on Eagles. Well, as it stands, uh, Gino Camilleri of the Locked On Eagles, the defending NFC East champions, as it stands. Hopefully, actually, I, I don't know. I, I love this trend that we see a new champion every year. It's kind of those that weird little thing we see in the NFL. But as for me, you can catch me on Twitter at Gino underscore L-O-E. 
find all of my work there. I'm doing work here in New York for at Prospect New York State. We are putting on free camp for the top 100 players here in New York, trying to get the New York State football out there. But besides that, you catch me here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. As always, at Lockdown Bridge, catch my co-host, Lou DiBiase, at DiBiase-L-O-E. And as always, fly, Eagles, fly. And I'm Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. You can follow my co-host for the Locked On Cowboys podcast, Landon McCool, at McCoolBCB. And then you can, of course, follow the show at Locked On Cowboys. I'm Patricia Trina, host of the Locked On Giants podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trina, T-R-A-I-N-A. You can also find me online at giantscountry.com which is an si.com sports channel all right and once again i'm chris russell you can uh, follow me on twitter at russellmania621 and like patricia right uh, about the washington redskins with all sorts of video and all sorts of uh, coverage on si.com as well i just don't know what to call my website because well <laughs> the team that i cover is in the you know fight of their life and the change of their lives and and hopefully the last one uh, at that but guys thank you very much all week long for joining us uh here uh to my colleagues and co-hosts uh on this episode great job out of you guys and and thanks everyone um washington dallas uh, philadelphia and giant fans for listening and for always uh, supporting us on the locked on podcast network make sure you keep listening as we draw closer to training camp for now i'm chris russell for patricia Trana for Gino Camilleri and for Marcus Mosier. I'm Chris Russell once again. Thanks again for listening and have a great week. 